It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. What is up and welcome back to the Fortman Podcast. I am so excited today for one of my um, just favorite people, honestly. I got to meet David Platt a few years ago in Jackson, Wyoming, and he's been um, just a mentor, a hero of mine, and, and an inspiration just for all the things he does in the faith. And um, I'm just always encouraged when I get a chance to talk to him. So, David, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the Four Eight Men Podcast, bro. It's always pure joy see you, spend time with you. Uh, yeah, ever since that first time we were together in, in Jackson Hole, you really, you really are one of my favorite people. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I know we only get to see each other a handful of times <laughs> a year, but. There's just something when I see you, I just, there, there's just so much joy that overcomes me. And I, uh, I just, I, I just love you and Heather so much. And we're so grateful, uh, for the two of you. Well, man, that's, that's mutual. Like really like pure joy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about just a, a variety of different, uh, times we've been together and just, yeah, joy, like laughter, fun and serious spurring each other on toward jesus yeah just yeah so it's mutual bro i love it well i was i was going back through our text the other day I, I was trying to find a picture of us or something and i saw a meme that i had sent you of ray lewis doing a dance <laughs> celebration that i had made a joke about heather doing this or I, I couldn't remember the context of it but i just started laughing just looking at that and because i'm pretty sure we, that was that if gathering that we had um no it was uh that one was uh i think it was passion like oh, yeah, heather it was, was fired up like yes, before we were going out uh to one of the worship gatherings at passion and you were like it's i can picture Heather doing like a Ray Lewis in here, like getting getting fired up. That's what it was. It was it was the prayer before the conference, <laughs> yes. and just picturing Heather like just getting <laughs> stepping up in the middle and having having a Ray Lewis um, <laughs> coming out of the tunnel celebration. But David, I mean, man, you you do so much. You know, you a um, you're a husband, you're a father, you're an author. Uh, I'll say um, international evangelist. Um, I would say that's what you do. You're a pastor um, up in Virginia, and I just you know, you've had, you've been doing ministry stuff for the last couple of decades. And, um, I would say that there's, there are few people that do as much as you do for people, you know, throughout the world, um, with radical, just with all, all the things you do with your church. And I'm just always encouraged just getting to see things on social media that, that you and your team are doing that few people, um, are doing. And I don't know if that's because of, uh, lack of resources or because of whatever, but you and your team do it and y'all make it happen and you trust God in those moments. And, um, it's, 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 it's one of those things where you, you, you do do so much and it's like, man, I wish I was doing that. Not, not, not that I get jealous of you sometimes, but I'm like, I wish I was in, you know, some country backpacking in the mountains, delivering Bibles to, to people in these villages. I'm like, that just sounds so cool. If I could actually put my fitness, uh, to good use instead of just lifting heavy weight, if I could be, you know, walk in the mountains in some in some third world country delivering bibles to people well do it bro let's go i've been waiting on the invite i've been waiting on you to invite (laughs) me to come to come do one of these cool cool come one of of these cool dangerous trips (laughs) well there's there's obviously plenty of opportunities i mean that's the thing when you think about uh people who have 
little to no access to God's word. Uh, a lot of them are in pretty remote places, uh, hard to get to places. Um, I remember one of the first trips, uh, I, I took, um, a group of students with me. This is when I was teaching at the seminary down in new Orleans. And, uh, we took a group to a country where it's legal to share the gospel. And, uh, our whole goal and actually two of my brothers went with me. So, uh, on this trip, so the three of us were together, we all split up into small groups and, uh, we were just going from village to village in this particular area. And we were doing, yeah, we were dropping gospel literature and the whole goal was to drop it in places where people would find it like two weeks after we were gone. So like you'd put it under a wood pile, um, in these little bags that would, uh, be able to withstand the weather or just, yeah, put it in different places, uh, to, uh, try to, yeah. I mean, this is the first time those people would ever hear the gospel, but it was, it's not like we could just go up and hand it to them and, and talk with them in in that context. So anyway, man, there's tons of opportunities like that around the world. And, uh, yeah, I think about, uh, all, all the people, when we think about followers of Jesus who, are rightly, I would say, like concerned about fitness. Like, yeah, let's put that fitness to use. Yeah, in some in some ways like that. I love it. Well, I really, I, I really do want to want to want to come on a trip. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just waiting on you to text me. Um, I got gotcha. you. But you, know, you, you really have been doing. Um, you know, you've been doing what you just said for the last so many years. When did you? When and what was that spurning for you of of maybe when God put that on your heart? You know, we read the great the great commission of go make disciples and. You know, some people think of that globally, which we all should. Some think about it, you know, in our neighborhoods, which which is good too. But for you, you know, there really is such a burden on you for unreached people groups and people groups that have have little to no access to the word. When did you feel like God really put that on your heart, and what was the time frame of maybe something that you were going through where you had just kind of felt like that that was what you specifically were called to really in, in, invest all your all your things in. Yeah, man, I, I distinctly remember when I was in college and, uh, I was in, I was at a conference and it was like a breakout session of the conference. There were like 10 people in this breakout and, uh, a friend of mine now, uh, I didn't know him at the time, uh, Jeff Lewis, but he, uh, he just opened up the Bible and he walked from Genesis to revelation and he showed that the theme of the Bible is God's zeal for his own glory among all the nations. Uh, and that it rocked me. Like I'd grown up in the church, but I had never seen or heard that, at least in that way. And how, how God is, is passionate about the spread of his love among the nations for his glory among all the nations. And, and then at that same conference, he led a prayer time kind of in the larger gathering, uh, for an unreached people group. And I'll never forget. I, I had never, maybe I'd heard about it and I just hadn't, uh, I just wasn't a good listener or, or had never heard about people in the world who had little to no knowledge of the gospel or access to the gospel. And, uh, so unreached people. And so I remember he, he introduced us to the Amdo Tibetan people. And I remember getting on my face with a few other guys. And we just got on our faces and prayed uh, for the Ando Tibetan people. And so that it created like a major collision in my life. Like I knew 
the trajectory of my life needed to change. And, and I was pretty convinced from the very beginning, I don't think that's just for me in this sense. Like, yeah, this plays out in so many different ways uh, in all of our lives. But if, if this is what the Bible's about, like God's passion for his glory in all the nations, well, then that's what every Christian should be about. Not mm -hmm. just, and that was kind of the, uh, the paradigm shifting kind of moment for me that was like, wow, if I'm a Christian, then I should be living for the spread of God's glory among all the nations. And uh, yeah, to your point, what you just mentioned, that starts with the way I live right where I am. I and mean, it affects the way I live in Metro Washington, D.C. right now, um, or just wherever somebody might live. But but we we have a commission to mm -hmm. see disciples made in all the nations. And certainly we're all supposed to be a part of that in some way and especially in a world where yeah three billion people have little to no knowledge of the gospel today who are unreached um just like those amdo tibetans uh were so uh anyway that was that was the moment when uh everything started to shift uh really in the trajectory of my life yeah well and it's so cool too right because you know, you, you, you really do practice what you preach. You go to all these places and you have, you have four adopted children. You have two from China, one from Kazakhstan, one here in the United States. So it's not only just like, you know, are you going to these places and you're, you know, sharing the gospel, you're going to these remote parts and doing Bible drops. You actually have gone to these places and you've adopted children. Like you've brought them back, you know, to the States. And that's not, you know, that's, that, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, like we talked about, there's 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 language barriers. There there there's so many things that you that you have to go through. So it's cool to see you not only take the Great Commission and, and go make disciples, but you're making disciples in your house from mm. from these from these parts mm. of the world where there is little to no access of, of the gospel. Mm. What have you? I mean, what have you learned from adoption? Was because I know I know you and Heather got married early. Um, how did adoption play in in, in, in into all that and um, you know, just all the things, because it's, 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 it's remarkable that, that y'all have, mm. you know, I, I know you're the son y'all just adopted, you know, it's been a couple of years since COVID and all the things. So what have mm. you, what have you learned um, from adoption? Oh man, we could talk for multiple uh, podcast conversations about, about this one. I, and just to make the, even a quick connection there. Uh, yeah. That's where living for the spread of God's glory among all nations Um there's so many things that kind of come under that umbrella. I would call that ultimate. Um, but then, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching this Sunday on James 1, 26 and 27, the religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So this whole picture of, yeah, care for orphans and widows, uh, that's, that's a part of how we live for the spread of God's glory among all the nations, in addition to many other things that we see in the word for adoption specifically. Uh, God, uh, initially took us down that road in a way we had not planned. Um, we were, uh, yeah, wanting to have children biologically and, um, God just for about five years, wasn't providing in the way we were praying and hoping. And it was, uh, it was a hard road. And, uh, and then the Lord put it on our hearts to adopt. And so, uh, and I would have said, I think at that point, Christian, I think I would have said, you know, this is kind of second best since we can't have children this way. We'll have children this other way. We learned real quick that adoption was just as best. Um, and, uh, so we, yeah, we adopted our, our first son from Kazakhstan and, uh, and then 
two weeks later, I got back home with him and Heather was pregnant. And it was like, okay, wow. Like, <laughs> how'd that happen? Well, I know how it happened. Like, anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry. What, what happens in Kazakhstan doesn't stay in Kazakhstan, you know? So anyway, uh, I, uh, so we, we had a, a biological son uh, nine months later, and, uh, but we knew we wanted to adopt again. And uh, God had just totally transformed our hearts along those lines. So we ended up yeah, adopting our third and having a fourth biological. And then we were like totally content with our four children until one night on a, on a date night. Uh, and we hadn't even planned on talking about adoption. Um, but the subject of adoption came up over dinner. And it was like the only way I can describe it is the Lord just met us there at the table in a way we never could have imagined. Uh, Heather's like in tears. I'm super self-conscious that the waiter and other people in the restaurant are thinking I'm a totally lame husband for uh, causing my wife to cry. But but it was just, we were, it was clear the Lord was leading us to start another uh, adoption process. And so we walked away that night. The next morning started again, uh, another uh, process uh, internationally. And then, yeah, just like you, you mentioned, uh, we... We were three days away from going to pick our son up when in January 2020, when we got word that because of some strange virus, that it would probably be postponed for a couple of weeks. And it ended up being postponed for three and a half years. And then just a couple of months ago, we got a call saying we could go. And so we just brought him home. Um, and uh, and then in the middle of all that, uh, the Lord put it on our hearts when we were reading Psalm 127. Uh, Children heritage from the Lord blesses the man whose quivers full of them. I just, I, man, I read. We, we could talk a lot about that text, but I, I think a lot of people see children as like barriers, as opposed to blessings. At least in our culture, and oftentimes even as Christians in our culture, like, oh, I don't know if I can. Uh, we almost kind of talk about children or having more children, like, ah, oh, that that would be, yeah, not like they're blessings, and they are, they're blessings, and and not that they're easy. Any parent knows that. And any parent who's walked uh, the road of foster care or adoption knows that there are extra challenges that uh, that, that kids and, and birth parents and adoptive parents uh, experience and all that. But this is religion that our God accepts as pure and wholly acceptable before him. And it is good it's so 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 good so i could i could talk a lot about the challenges that come with adoption um and uh and not just for uh heather and me but for our kids um and for birth parents uh some who we've had the opportunity to walk alongside but then also uh the blessings that are uh indescribable what was it with your with your first time what, what was it about kazakhstan that it's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. You guys made that be your y'all's first choice. Yeah, we we uh, we prayed like, okay, do we adopt domestically or internationally? And we our hearts were drawn. Okay, if there's uh, places in the world 
where there's little to no access to the gospel, I think we we were drawn toward let's let's pursue potential adoption from those places. And so then that there's all kinds of different uh, uh, kind of rules, regulations, different countries Like we weren't old enough. I don't think to adopt from China at that point we were. Uh, so every, every country had kind of different, different stipulations and the Lord just, it was, it was pretty amazing. Like the way he led us to uh, this obscure city, ultimately in Kazakhstan to, uh, a son that we can't imagine our lives without who we, uh, yeah, yeah. we're so thankful for. Yeah. No, that's so good. Well, I want to, I want to talk to you about this story. So I met, I met you two years ago in Jackson Hole. Uh, this month actually, so so um, so two years from right. this month, and you had, you, you had shared this story, and it was so just humble and so convicting and so just genuine and authentic. And I think just whenever I think of you, um, you know, well, one you're super relatable, but you're also just you have so much humility. And you were sharing this story, and I've thought back to it often. You were I, I believe it was in Chile. But you were talking about being on this mountainside and, and kind of looking at looking looking at the village, um, or these kind of these people, and you had said this thing that that you had said that, and then God really convicted you after you said it. Um, but you had said, um, like, I bet God is lucky to have me. And I've just thought about that so many times because it can get easy to, you know, to look at good things that we're doing and, and all these things and and kind of get in that mindset and I just, I, well, one, I love that you just shared that with the group. And I just thought that was so much, you know, there was so much conviction with the way that you said that and so much, you know, just humility and just authenticity. What kind of, when you had that moment, how did that, well, one, how did that impact you? And how did that kind of change some of the trajectory of, you know, how you view the things that you do get to go do throughout the world? Hmm. I love that, man. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, it's interesting. You bring that story up. Uh, that was actually, so it was actually uh, on the same trip that I mentioned earlier when uh, me and my brothers and these other students were hiking and doing these literature drops. And yeah, we were, we were camping one night and we had a little bit of daylight and I just had some time and I was off. I had a, a yeah, I'm looking out over these villages and I'm thinking, I mean, the thought crossed my mind, God, God must be glad to have me on his team. And, uh, man, I had in my hands, A.W. Tozer's knowledge of the holy. And it just so happened. The next chapter was on the self-sufficiency of God. And basically, uh, Tozer just, uh, says almighty God, just because he is almighty needs no support. And we, uh, we can like to please ourselves even with the thought that God needs us, but he he doesn't need us and it was the lord spoke super clear to me in that moment in a way that yeah how has that shaped me i mean it was a clear reminder to me in that moment and even now that and in all that yeah by god's grace i get the opportunity to do that god involves me in his purpose not because he needs me but because he loves me um, that I, I think about, it's not a perfect illustration by any means. Uh, and it breaks down at different points. But when I think about doing something, going somewhere and I take one of my kids with me, it's not because I need them to, 
I mean, I don't need them to drive me. I don't need them to help me accomplish this or anything, but I, I really enjoy being with my kids and I want them to, uh, yeah, experience, uh, especially when it's something that I think is going to be fun for them, enjoyable for them, good for them to take them with me. Like God loves you and me, us so much that he doesn't need us, but he's chosen to use us and involves us in his mission because he loves us. He loves us so much that, and then you start to think about it. Well, is this good for us? Uh, yeah. I like to introduce people in the world to the greatest news in the world to see people go from death to life for the next 10 trillion years and beyond. Like, why would we not want to do this? Uh, why would we not want to get on our knees? Even what we were just talking about a second ago and, and join with God and what we like, we can from our knees, like we can do this before we even get out of bed in the morning. We can be involved with God and what he's doing in the Middle East. Uh, this, that's amazing. Like what a privilege. Why would we not give ourselves to this? Why would we coast through like a, a casual, uh, routine, just, monotonous religious version of christianity that's like casually cultural like no you're created for so much more than that we're created to walk with god to uh participate with god and what he's doing in the world and that's totally humbling uh that he doesn't need us but it's exhilarating that he loves us and he invites us to be a part of this and so that just uh makes me think well i don't i don't want to miss out on any of that um, and it just infuses a whole depth of meaning and wonder to what we get to do in the Christian life that, uh, that is not based on pride, but that is based on the love of God for us. And let's be honest, despite us and who we are. Yeah, that's so good. That's actually where I'm wanting to go next. So, you know, just that idea of comfortability, right? We live in, uh, you know, the West, we love, um, and by we, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you do too. I mean, we, mm. you know, there is a sense of comfort that, you know, that we do enjoy. And it is, you know, like you said, j just, just like it's a privilege that we get to do these things before, before we get out of bed, you know, we're privileged to even have a bed. Like we're privileged to have mm. a phone. Like mm. there's, there's all these things that we can take for granted. What do you think, um, you know, just throughout the last decades and, 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 hundreds of years, why do you think the West has just, why do you think we've gotten to where, you know, we are so comfortable with things? I know, you know, all the, you know, all the obvious answers, but, um, you know, I mean, like the Great Commission, like we don't go to these places and go do these things because, you know, we're comfortable and that's mm. scary and that's dangerous and, and, and all these things. And, and, you know, like you just mentioned, that's, you know, we're created for so much more than just to sit here in our routines and just, mm. you know, just to do things for us. Why do you think that, um, you know, that's kind of where we're at here culturally and, and just some of the things that have taken place over the last, you know, couple, couple, couple decades, couple hundred years or whatever that we've gotten to that, to, to that place. Wow, man. I, I think so the texts that are coming to my mind or, uh, first Timothy six and Matthew six, like the deceitfulness of riches and 
uh, the comforts that come with those things and the way they capture our hearts where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And, uh, I mean, yes, God has, has materially blessed us. Um, and I, I know different people listen to this and, uh, we all have, uh, yeah, we have different pictures of wealth in our mind when we think of wealthy, but when the majority of the people in the world, in the history of the world, think wealthy, they picture all of us. Like we're some of the wealthiest people that ever walk planet earth. And, uh, but just like we see all throughout the Bible, God's people specifically, I think of Psalm 67, uh, and the prayer there that God would be gracious to them so that his ways are known on earth and his saving power known among the nations. But if we're not careful, we can miss the purpose of this blessing. And, uh, yeah, I'm convinced we are, we are missing the purpose. And I, and I, I don't just say that anecdotally, like I can, I can point to that practically that, um, you know, we spend most of our resources on ourselves. Uh, we give some of our resources to churches or ministries. And a very small percentage of those resources we give to what we might call missions work or work around the world. But even that, out of the money we give to missions, stuff around the world, approximately 98, 99% of it actually goes to places where the gospel's already gone in the world. Um, in places like Latin America, Sub Saharan Africa, different parts of Europe. And, and I'm not saying there's not like good things to be done in those places, but, uh, but we have, we're turning a total blind eye and deaf ear to 3 billion people who've never heard the gospel. And we shouldn't be surprised that our hearts aren't there because our treasure's not there. Our hearts will follow our money is what Jesus is saying. And so all that to say, like we, I, I would say, and I don't use this word lightly and I'm not just using it because I wrote a book with it, but a radical reorientation of our lives that says, wait a minute, we're not living for here. Like this is not, and we're not living for the stuff we can accumulate or enjoy in this, these few short years we hear, like I'm preaching through James right now, life is a vapor. It's a mist. It's here one day and gone the next. It's going to be so fast. So why like spend so much of our time attention on, on stuff that's just going to fade away? And, and let's live for what's going to matter forever. Let's invest in what's going to matter forever. But that's a totally different way to live than the world around us. And we won't live that way unless the word, number one, by the power of the spirit is transforming us. And two, we're opening our eyes to the world and we're seeing those realities in the world. And, uh, and we're uh, considering how our lives can be a part of making this word known in this world. Yeah, that's so good. I love, I love the book Radical. Me and Sadie read it. I can't remember if, if we read it before before I met you or, or after. Um, it might have been a little after, but I finished it in like a week. I thought it was unbelievable, mm. and it's crazy because you know, like you just said, it's a radical faith, and the book is called Radical. But you're really, it's really just scripture. Like it seems radical for our cultural context, but like the the Bible's radical. I mean, the Bible is <laughs> countercultural. You know, so it's like. I mean, you're not necessarily coming up with these new, these new innovative themes. It's just actually pulling biblical context and saying, how does this look like, you know, where your treasures, your heart would be also like, does that look like 
what like what does that look like for you right mm, uh, mm. and it's just it's interesting because it can be labeled as it as radical because it is for where we're at right but somebody you know in these places that you've mentioned like in Kazakhstan or in China or wh- wherever like that's not it's not necessarily radical it's just it's just biblical right it's like that's like everyday christianity yes that's what i mean i i, I think about even man i was having a conversation uh recently with someone and uh, i was visiting our church who uh is muslim and and this person is realizing if i follow jesus i'll lose everything like that's that's kind of the normal expectation for if i follow jesus it will cost me my life my family uh just i will be totally on my own uh like i will be trusting in him for everything uh and so that's yeah that's normal for this person and it's normal for followers of christ around the world i would argue that that was normal for yeah followers of jesus as disciples and others in the new testament and it's a commentary on our kind of comfortable casual cultural version of christianity that it seems radical to us because it shouldn't be it is it's normal biblical now it, it will look radical to the world and that's that's part of the point that if yeah. we follow the normal commands of jesus we're going to go totally against the grain of this world but i guess that's the the problem or the challenge is if we're not careful we can look pretty indistinguishable from the world around us yeah in a lot of ways And in the process, we're actually... It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. Much more like the world than we are about what it means to normally follow Jesus. Yeah, because for sure, because I remember you talked about in your book, you know, the newspaper article headline that you read of 20 whatever point or 20 whatever million dollars to this to this church bill. And then like on on the bottom of the page or something on maybe the next page, it was like, you know, this much money went to went to to um, missions or whatever. And it was just, you know, you talked about just flipping the headline and, you know, I even had Ben Stewart on the, I had him on a few, I should probably, probably, probably about two months ago. And we got into conversation and I don't know if you fully agree with me or not, but because, you know, he's a pastor of a church, you're a pastor of a church. So, and I'm not, so I I feel like I can kind of like, you know, speak to the church things maybe more than a pastor can. But I was like, you know, you, you look at us and it's like, and granted, I've never, I've never been to your church, so I could be completely wrong. But I was like, most churches we go to, it's like three to four worship songs. It's announcements for community stuff, and this is what we have going on. And and and, and then it's like a 30 to 45 minute message. And then it's, you're done. You go to your car, you go to lunch, and then the parking team's out there. And then, you know, the next group comes in. And I just think, you know, earlier you, you, you kind of mentioned monotonous. And I, not that I not that I think church is monotonous, but I think it can become it when it becomes so routine. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, you know, last when I saw you at IF Gathering, that was right around the time of, um, I think that was right around the time of the Asbury Revival. And y'all talked about, mm-hmm. you know, being there till midnight praying. And you talked about just some crazy things that y'all were doing, uh, which like you said, like it, 
like to the world, it is crazy and culturally it's crazy, but biblically it's not like staying to the church till 11 o'clock PM is like, it's not mm. that crazy. Like, mm. but with where we're at now, it does seem crazy to, to have a 24 seven prayer night at the church. But you know, you read Acts and you read the new Testament. It's like, I mean, Paul was, you know, I mean, I think, I think about Paul preaching and the dude fell off the roof cause he fell asleep and then Paul went and he, he was dead and Paul went and woke him up and he came at the life and he kept preaching. Like, you know, like that's crazy. Um, yes. But you know, and 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 not to bash the church at all, but I do think that there are things Western-y, like Western, that it's like, you know, I do think that churches do great things. I think that we do, we give money. I think there's so many resources that we do. I think that, you know, we do bring in people locally in our communities. And I think that it's, you know, it's where you meet with other believers. It's where you're encouraged. It's where you're challenged. And I think it's incredible. But I do think that there are times where, you know, it can get, it can get just so routine to where sometimes you can miss the point of kind of why you're doing what you're doing. Bro, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, there, yeah, not to, uh, well, there's a variety of thoughts there. I mean, even, okay, so three songs, a sermon, uh, like e- even that in and of itself, if you are coming into that with an awareness that you're with the body of Christ, that you're meeting with God, that you're giving him praise with all your heart, that you are hearing his word in a way that will change your life that week. And that's what I just preached on in James one, not just hears the word, but doers. Uh, then, I mean, that's, that, that is transformative, but it, it can be transformative or it can be monotonous and yeah. hollow and empty. And, uh, and, and, and especially if, uh, there's not um well anticipation of i'm meeting with god like that's one of the things when we as a church well there's a ton we've walked through over the last couple of years along these lines and part of it born out of some time i had in uh uh in seoul in south korea and just getting to know the history of the church in korea i mean they for they they, they went basically the church in on the korean peninsula um went from like less than 1% Christian in 1900 to 11 million Christians in South Korea alone within a century and sending out missionaries everywhere. And the story of the church in, in the Korean peninsula has revolved around prayer, like praying every morning for hours together as a church all night. I'd never been a part of like a all night prayer gathering. And I was like, why have I not done that in four years? Why have I not been a part of that in the church? So that was one of the first things we did when I got back is, okay, we're going to do all night prayer. And, uh, and then that's led into other prayer gatherings. My favorite times by far in the church is when we just get together on a Friday night and we spend a few hours just seeking the Lord, just on our faces before him, singing, praying, interceding, uh, testifying. It's, it's awesome. Uh, all driven by the word, but all that to say, like, we do need to ask, uh, have we gotten into such a routine that we've to, I think the way you put it was missed the point of who we're meeting with, of what we're longing to, uh, to experience in him, what we're expecting him to do among us to totally transform us that we're not just going through a routine. Like we come together on a Sunday in a gathering to hear from God, to have our lives totally turned upside down. And, uh, and then we are in a community where we're loving each other and laying down our lives for each other and not just like sitting next to each other in an auditorium, but we're 
actually serving each other and bearing with each other and weeping with each other and holding each other up and locking arms together to share the gospel in the world and spread the gospel to people around us. Like now we're starting to get a picture as I say, these kinds of words, like of what the new Testament describes as, as the church. So, uh, I think we definitely have to be careful to guard against a routine that misses the point. Yeah, man. That's so good. How, uh, how are you when you wrote radical? Oh man. Let's see. I think it was like, I should, I should know this off the top of my head. So it was, I think it was around 2009, eight, nine. And so that would have been around 30. Yeah. Approximately 30. That is so awesome. So after, so, so you and your Heather adopted your first son from Kazakhstan when you were. Yeah. So in 2007 is when we adopted him. So yeah, 29. So what was kind of culminating when, you know, because I love the book, everyone I've talked to loves the book. And I know that, I mean, I'm sure just like anything, you've probably got backlash for that's too, whatever, too strict or whatever. What was kind of culminating in you when you were like, I want to, because I know that y'all were pastors and I think it was Birmingham, then, you know, the mm -hmm. Katrina with New Orleans. So all, all that kind of was around a similar time frame. Um, and I know that you've shared the story about looking at your house and you thought it was, y'all thought it was too big. And I remember Heather was like, I don't want to leave my house, which I love that story. But what was kind of in you, like, what was that kind of birthed out of, of, I want to write this book and really challenge people of, are you living your life radically like the Bible talks about, or have mm. you kind of gotten caught up in lukewarm Western Christianity? Well, it, it actually didn't start with like wanting to write a book. It was so, I mean, so personally it was conviction of my own heart. Um, yeah, that I, here I was, I'd started pastoring this large church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I was, I felt like I was living the American church dream. And, uh, I had this sinking feeling that I was, I was missing the whole point when I, when I looked at, uh, yeah, the words of Jesus about denying yourself, taking up a cross, following him, renouncing all you have, uh, and just what it means to make disciples of the nations. And I, I could just see myself kind of being pulled into an American church dream that, uh, missed the whole point to go back to what we were talking about. And so I, uh, had some confession and a repentance to do in my own life. And that led to, yeah, changes that Heather and I started to make. And then I just encouraged our church, Hey, let's look at some of these texts in Luke nine, Luke 14. Um, and let's just honestly, uh, and rich young ruler with Jesus, like, what is Jesus call? How is Jesus calling us to live? Let's not like filter this through our our cultural Christian lens, like what does it mean to live like this? And uh, so we walked through that journey as a church and we started making some significant changes as a church. And then as a result of that, uh, I, I said, okay, I think I'm gonna put these, what we've kind of walked through as a church down on paper so that people who come to our church in the future know why we're doing some things different here. And uh, so the whole idea was just to kind of self-publish a book and people who come to the church would get it. And uh, and then I think my mom will read it uh, and that'll be kind of it. But then it got into some hands of uh, some other people and they said, hey, we think you should publish this. And so, and then even that process was really interesting because nobody really wanted to publish it at first. It was kind of hard 
finding somebody who wanted to publish it. And then finally, I'm so thankful for the way that process played out and people that brought me in, in contact with uh, who are friends, dear friends to this day, who helped helped me uh, communicate what was on my heart in ways that, uh, uh, well, apparently, and, and even when it, when it came out, like I didn't, I thought my mom and some people at our church would read it. I didn't, I didn't think a, a lot of people would read it. Well, a lot, a lot of people have read it and, 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 and I'm one that, uh, has read it. I've, I think I read it and listened to, to your audiobook on it. Um, I love it so much. Do you feel like if you, because I do think that there's a, sh- maybe a shielding there, right. Of, you know, because, and I could be completely wrong and, and, and I don't want to speak, I don't want to speak for you on this, but do you feel like it almost was a blessing that you did think it was only be for your church and for your mom? Cause, cause I, I can just think of me if I'm 30 and I write this book about radical faith, I'm, I'm, there probably could have been some doubts of like, am I qualified to write this? People are going to think mm-hmm. I'm so young. Like, do you think that there, you know, if you had set out to write a book to be published and for millions of people to read it, do you think that there would have been any kind of hesitations there and any kind of just doubts that would have happened versus you just thinking it'd be for your local church and for your mom to mm. read it? Yeah, that's a really good question, Christian. I, 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 cause as I think about it, I think of all the potentially unhealthy things that could have happened in me in the process of writing that book or publishing that book that, um, that yeah, would, would potentially not have been good or may have affected even what I was writing. Cause the, the Lord did kind of, yeah, he guarded and protected in the sense that it was just the overflow of what was in my heart and in what we've walked through as a church. That's what I've tried to, yeah, every book that I've written has been the overflow of conviction in my own heart worked out in the uh, body of Christ that I'm a part of in, in that moment. It's, it's all been out of the overflow of that. And so the way that played out there, I think was, was, yeah, really helpful. I'll tell you one other thing that the Lord guarded me from. So uh, I put in the front of the book, the author's royalties from this book will go toward promoting the glory of Christ in all nations. And I didn't feel like that was much of a, like, I, you know, when you, when you don't think many people are going to read it, you're like, yeah, I'm glad to give away the royalties. <laughs> well, thankfully the Lord guarded me from royalties that would come from the book. And so the awesome thing is that uh, any money that's come my way, I've actually been protected from. I can't even use it for personal gain. Uh, so I've been able to, yeah. So every time that, that book, somebody buys it, uh, that which goes toward me or would go toward me is actually going toward promoting the glory of Christ in all the nations. And we've had an opportunity to give and support just awesome things around the world as a result. So that's, that's another way that God, God guarded uh, me in that process, man. He's so, he's so kind. He's so gracious. I love um, that. That's awesome. So trustworthy. Cause yeah. he really does. I mean, I really, I mean, even just scripturally, I really do think God just blesses purity. I do. I mean, mm. you know, I think that, especially with social media and all the things, I, I think it can be so easy to want to do something big and want to be something, you know, that gets seen. But I really, I really just think that God blesses, I mean, the pure in spirit. I mean, 
I, mm. I, I don't, I, I get all the Beatitudes mixed up so you can, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, uh, okay, I'm just going to go and ask you, but what, but what's, what's the Beatitude? The, the, we're talking the about pure in heart. We'll see God. We'll see God. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I, I, do, I mean, not pretty awesome. I don't even know how, what words to put on that. That's yeah. beyond awesome. But he does like there is something genuine and, and pure that he does bless and he does recognize I me. Mean, even just like you know what you said when you said with the book, it's like you're writing it at an overflow, just for 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 people that you know. And I think that there's a purity in that that God ends up does blessing. And you know, I don't want to get in a whole conversation on blessing materially or whatever. But like, but he did bring a blessing for a ton of other people to read it versus the people in your church. Like it's mm. you know globally. Um, mm. But man, I just want you know, to thank you for one thing. I oh, sorry. Uh, I just want to add there. Like, I'm I'm the most prideful person I know, Christian. Like I, and I, I I'm not just saying that. Like I, uh, I pray for humility and the kind of purity you're talking about. And I, I just man, I so I have so far to go. And uh, and it's interesting. I, I talk about this and uh, the most recent book i wrote uh called don't hold back but i basically talk about how after writing radical i uh i started to get a lot more attention started getting invited to a lot more things and uh church was growing and uh man and i i think i shared about this that time in jackson hole that uh i um i started missing the point in my own life big time and my quiet time of the lord my personal intimacy with god uh was inconsistent at best really non-existent most days and uh and and just like that i found myself uh yeah lord in again by uh I, on the outside it looked like everything was going great i was missing the whole point on the inside and and the lord woke me up big time and uh caused some major changes in my life um when it comes to spiritual discipline and a variety of other discipline flowing from that but i just i just mentioned that to say were it not for god's keeping disciplining preserving grace i shudder to think of where i would be it's your time join global thought leader executive producer and new york times best-selling author td jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other at the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. Right now, and I definitely wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, I'm... I'm the same way. I'm the most prideful person I know. I woke up this morning, Haven has a one or two fever, honey, has a double ear infection. And my first thought is I can't go hunting tonight. Like, like that's my first thought, like all about me. Like I can't get to go do what I want to do. And it's like, no, like that's not what I've called you to. I've called you to be a husband and a father. And like, yes, if you get to go do other things on top of that, that's awesome. But like, no. So I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, and I, and I think that's the thing too, that I, that, that I struggle with. I do need to wrap this up, but it, it's it, it's so true. And I think that's why sometimes I fail to pray for the nations because I'm like, I'm so screwed up. Like mm. 90% of the time I'm praying for myself. Like I'm like, I just, I have so much self-awareness of just how inner, like inner turmoil, just how just screwed up I am. So I mm. just feel like I'm constantly praying like, 
God, help me be more patient. Help me be a, like, help me. Like, I just get so caught up in praying for myself that I lose sight of praying for someone that's being persecuted in Israel. And mm. I, that is convicting. And I don't want to just spend t- all the time praying for, you know, myself, and my family, which is great, but I don't want to lose sight on praying for unreached people groups, for people across the world, for people that are being persecuted, for people that are really going through these hardships. Because I think that sometimes I can be just so narrow-minded on prayer of like just my own felt needs of like, and because they are they are valid, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. So I appreciate you for sharing that. I think I think that's I think that's really helpful for for a lot of people. And uh, I mean, like you said, just the times I've gotten to 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 spend time with you, which which has been a good bit. You do exude that. So I do think that God answers your prayers when 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 you pray for it. Well, and and man, that's a really good word. What you were sharing, like, because. Uh, I, mean, I would encourage you would just like encouragement. Like, okay, I need to pray for all those things for myself. I, I, I like, cause I need God's grace. I need the character of Christ developed in me and, and yeah, not to stop there. Right. To say, okay. And there are people around the world who don't have the hope I have. They don't have the, the peace that I have, the strength that I have, all the resources I have in Christ, especially people who've never even heard of Jesus. Okay. Yeah. There needs to be a place for them in my intercession Yeah, uh, alongside my pleading for all the things in my own life. And for the people who are right around me, like I've got uh, a, yeah, a million things that I, I pray for my kids and my family and uh, the people right around me. And it's just important just not to stop there. And that's so good, David, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so encouraged by you and just all the things that that you and Heather do. Um, you truly do practice what you preach and you're genuine and you're authentic. And I just, I uh, love you so much and I'm just grateful for you and love that I'm able to call you a friend and someone that I, mm. that I can look up to and, and know you personally. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, I just, like you said, and I'm just always encouraged by you and, and mm. grateful for you. So thank you so much. Well, love you, bro. Like I said, pure joy. And I, and I, I've shared this before with you just with, say it even in this context i just appreciate uh your hunger uh for jesus for more of him and and a a humility that uh is evident in that hunger and uh and just for yeah god's grace in your life and uh i pray that his grace will resound all the more to his glory through you in ways far beyond what you can ask or imagine bro thank you man love you so much thank you (laughs) 